Today's episode of The Throwback is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla for as little as $1. And that's with no commissioner fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing and ready to learn or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting and join the 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to throwback.robinhood.com. That's throwback.robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. This is not an investment advice, a recommendation, or solicitations of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.co slash fees. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. Annual percentage yield on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and invariable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. on everybody it's super bowl week throwback jake seeley chris meany brad ziggler with you as always if you're listening on the free verse it's a very simple way for you to get involved with the athletic and we don't know why you haven't yet but in case you haven't you can go to the athletic.com slash the throwback and get 40 percent off and while you're following chris at chris meany and brad at brad ziggler and i'm at all in kid to get all your good off-season football talk we're getting into the same stuff we got into last week last wednesday if you listen to the show some players early look ahead of what we're doing for them with next year. Obviously, there's a lot of situations we're not talking about just yet because there's free agency and such. But how about two things, two questions for you guys before we jump into somebody who retired uh, that we haven't talked about yet because we recorded on Wednesday. But first question was, did you watch any of the Pro Bowl or the extended game situation thing, which Jarvis Landry dominated again? Or two, are you excited for the XFL next week, Chris? I am excited for the XFL. I will definitely be tuning in. i not going to lie. I didn't really watch any of the Pro Bowl. I had a little bit of it on in the background. but um, No skills no. competition? No, not even really any skills competition. I watched the hockey skills competition. I had a busy weekend, so I did not. Uh, no, I, I can't even lie. I did not take part in, in watching the skills. <laughs> what about you, Brad? No, I I didn't, but mine I I probably would have had I been home. Uh, I was. Oh my gosh! Hold on, hold on. So. Brad had a you big guys, weekend. You guys missed this. Did Jarvis Landry in the freaking like the the dodgeball, which is the last one. I saw the, the dodge. I saw the dodgeball game. Yeah. So you saw it. So for everybody out there that didn't, Jarvis Landry is such a stud in dodgeball that he took the balls and rolled them to the other side. Because he dared them to throw it at him because he caught every single one. He caught two, like, bam, bam, right in a row, like, ridiculous, and knocked two guys out. And then caught the last one to win the game. He wouldn't throw the ball. He was giving it to the other team to catch and win. What a boss. Yeah, it was – there was no question he knew where his skills lied. And he was (laughs) like, yeah, I'm going to – I'm going to – make these linebackers throw the ball at me because it's not like they're quarterbacks or anything. So, well, quarterbacks. So, got and then, yeah, and Devontae Adams, I guess Devontae Adams is one of them too, but he, uh, he like crossed over the line, right? When he, 
both of his. Mm-hmm. That's how he got out right at the end. So yeah, it was really impressive. In the in the skills competition where they had to throw at the accuracy. So what about you, XFL? Are we, are we St. Louis Battle Hawks, Brad? Are we doing it? Uh, no, I don't think so. I I oh, come on, I'm not saying enough. I won't tune in a little bit, but I'm definitely not jumping on a team's bandwagon. <laughs> so oh come on, Tyler Haneke, This league, this the, league the won't logo. exist in about six months. So. Actually, I believe that they're going to have some success this time around because they're being different, and that's what we always talk about. They need to be different. I don't think they're quite different enough, but they are being different. They are they are trying to have some interesting wrinkles to it, but we're not going to talk about that. I actually go back to what we were talking about before. Eli Manning retired, and so for you guys out there, everybody knows this already. This is a long time coming, but we haven't had our chance to talk about it real quick. We're not going to spend too much time about it because it's fan- we're, we're a fancy show, but there is fancy-related news I want to add to it. But just so you guys know, Chris and Brad and everybody listening, so I put out a poll because as soon as the news broke, I said, is he the most divisive like Hall of Fame candidate ever? Because it seems like people stand on one side or the other, and they don't really have like a, a middling, like, oh, I don't mind. I was kind of wrong about that because I put out a poll and I said, here's the four options you guys have. And you can tell me which ones you have. So, Chris, I want your opinion first and Brad, yours too. My options were Eli Manning the Hall of Fame. One is should be in. Two, blanket should not get in. Three was he shouldn't get in, but he will and you don't mind. And the number four was he shouldn't get in, but he will and you do mind. Which would you Which would you pick, Chris? Uh, I think he should get in and... I don't mind. I don't know if that was an option. No, that wasn't an option because he should get in. <laughs> yeah, get, I, I, I'm pretty sure you don't mind if you think he should get in. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Like, there's some people who he I should think, get in. And I mind that he got in. Think should get in, and I, I may be bothered by it. Um, that's a discussion for another day. But I do think he should get in. I think he's got obviously he's got the two Super Bowls. I think he's got more than that on his resume. You know, he's top seven, top definitely top ten in career passing yards, touchdown passes, completions. He owns, what, a a ton of Giants records. He was durable as much as we've kind of laughed at him over the past couple of years for, you know, not being really mobile and, and, and being slow out there. He, you know, he really didn't miss any games due to injuries. It's just the fact what happened two years ago with the Giants organization where they just sat him down and that was a little weird handled differently. But uh, I think he's a Hall of Famer. I think he deserves to get in. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, I think he has earned it. He earned it. If nothing else, he you know he was a really good quarterback for a long time, and then his playoff stuff put, pushed him over the two Super Bowl MVPs, um, especially the way he did it. You know, coming from behind to beat the Patriots both times. I, I think um, there's enough there for me to where I, I would just say, yeah, he's definitely in. Is he kind of like Frank Gore with two Super Bowl MVPs? Hmm. Maybe, I, but yeah. I, I would say. I think Frank Gore's a Hall of Famer, the fact, even, you know, without any kind of playoff accolades, just because there's something to be said for being able to do it really well for that long when no one else, no one else has. No one else has done it for that longevity, um, at his position. So I I think there's something to be said for that. Hmm. All right. So do you guys want to guess what the most popular answer was? Because it wasn't should be in. That was number two. Um, nope. I don't. I don't. No, no, no to, you know, <laughs> give me the options again. No, I'll, I'll, I'll just tell it. you because you already said no. <laughs> <laughs> the most popular, barely. Like, it got thirty six percent should be in. Thirty seven percent said they don't think he should be in, but they're not going to care when he gets in. So that was the most popular. Nineteen percent said he shouldn't get in, and eight percent said he will, but and they do mind. So technically, like twenty seven percent of the people don't want him in. 
and don't well, think he should be. In. I wonder why. What, what's the deal with that? Yeah, I don't. I don't fully understand it. Is it people just watching his career recently? Did they look at the overall record, like 117 and 117? I saw that in ESPN. Like, oh, very Eli Manning like. He's a 500 quarterback. But I mean, like Brad said, the way that he won those two Super Bowls and came back against the the New England Patriots and the fact that they hadn't lost a game all year, like he was a part of that. And they had good defenses, but he was a part of that. Well, I think the yeah. biggest argument from the, the replies were mediocre career, two great seasons, which is funny because if people say two great mm. seasons, well, that, I'm glad you went, uh, because if you look at the great seasons, the first Super Bowl wasn't that great of a season. So people just assume and throw out these two great seasons. And well, one of his greatest seasons was 2014 and 2015. And those were 65 touchdowns, 28 interceptions. Almost 9,000 yards across the two of them. Neither one of those were Super Bowl years. And then everybody always throws out the two great seasons. It's kind of more of two great seasons, two great playoff runs, and another pretty decent middle-of-the-road kind of career. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree. It's, it's, it's a – like I said, he's a really good quarterback. It's, I don't think you would ever say he's one of the elite quarterbacks of his era. At the same time, he was really good for a long time, and then he was really good in the playoffs whenever they got there. And, you know, getting to the playoffs is a lot more than about just your quarterback. You can have a great quarterback and not get there, uh, and we've seen that plenty of times. We saw it this year even. You know, you could say, you know, one of the the top passers in the league was Dak Prescott, and the Cowboys didn't make the playoffs. So it's – it you know, it can it can be that way sometimes. So – um, I don't hold that against him so much, but whenever they got there, they had success. And I think there's that, that is a lot on the quarterback, uh, because especially, like I said, the way they won those games. You know what the truth is? And we can close it on this. Can't spell elite without Eli. Can't do mm-hmm, it. There it is. <laughs> no. Hey man, they called Joe Flacco elite at once in the day. Oh yeah, for that one, at least his was only one. But I do fancy spin on this. I do want to bring up one thing, and I was texting. So, you guys know this. We talked about the hiring of Joe Judge, and I referenced to you guys that D'Angelo Williams, former player, thought because we brought it up on that podcast as well, and he thought it was a good hire. And you know, I made my joke about saying, "Well, they're just it's a way to keep a coach under Gettleman's thumb." And so, I'm only telling you this not to be like, "Oh, D'Angelo Williams podcast." I'm telling you this because this is exactly what I texted him, and I want to get your guys' opinion on this. Chris, you know how much I hate the Giants. Like, I hate the front office. I root for the players. Just like the same thing as the Mets. Like, I want Gettleman gone. At the same time, this is what I texted D'Angelo Williams last week, Chris. I said, I'm trying not to like what they're doing. I'm trying not to like the fact that you bring in Freddie Kitchens as a positional coach, that you bring in Jason Garrett as an offensive coordinator, that you bring in a former play, or former coach that you dealt with who actually put together a decent defense given what he was given with the Dolphins and all these pieces. And then the, Joe Judge himself comes out and says, make me a better coach. Teach me to be – teach me to make the best peanut butter and jelly sandwich of all time. That's exactly what he said. Oh, so, man, I love that. Chris, like, it's for a fantasy perspective. Can we hope that, like, Barkley has a bounce back? Because we talked about it a little bit last week, but Barkley bounces back. Maybe we get something out of Sterling Shepard for a full season. Evan Ingram is a full season. Daniel Jones takes the next step forward. Like, are you buying into this team? Um, I'm buying into some of the changes. I do like them. I said before, like with Judge, I, you know, some some special teams coaches have just done well, and you know, in the NFL as head coaches. So I'm not really 
willing to count him out as, as a lot of people have and they've scratched their head over the hire. I mean, he spent a lot of time with Dick Saban and, and Bill Belichick and is in the course of his career, like almost 11 years. So I'm sure he's learned a thing or two. And yeah, you bring in Kitchens and Garrett who struggled in big time roles and you diminish their roles a little bit and you expect them to be able to bring something to the table. But honestly, the Giants from a fantasy perspective, they have a lot to offer offensively. Daniel Jones is your prototypical nice fantasy quarterback. He makes mistakes, James but he throws, yeah, you've, you've said it several times, Jameis Winston. There's the turnovers, he has a little bit of a rushing ability to him, and he's got some weapons there. If Evan Ingram can stay healthy and Sterling Shepard can stay healthy, I think that this offense could, I know, they could be a top 10 offense. They really could be with, with Saquon Barkley in the backfield, so. Yeah, I think it's they're intriguing. I I have some big time question marks honestly about Shepard and Ingram. Like those are guys that I probably won't have on my draft radar next season, but it doesn't mean that they can't. Like I see the upside, I see the ceiling. Yeah, I I I mean I agree. I I think um I think there is a lot of potential there and they're I don't think they're that far away. I think they need a big time alpha receiver because they don't have that's one thing they do not have. They have a lot of really good complementary receivers. Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, um, even Darius Slayton. I don't think any of those guys are the guys you want to be a, a, you know, that big number one receiver. If they get Evan Ingram healthy all year, obviously with Barkley in the backfield, there's weapons all around him. They need to beef up the offensive line a little bit. Um, but at that point, if they beef up the offensive line and get a, a, a good number one receiver in the, whether it's in the draft or free agency or a trade or whatever, then at that point, I, I think there's a chance that Daniel Jones he he at least has upside to be a top 12 fantasy quarterback next year. Definitely. I really like Slayton. Are we alone, Jake? Is it three for three? Do we all like Slayton here? Oh, no. I actually think that I have Slayton ranked the highest of all. I think he's actually going to be the best receiver for them next year. Agreed. And I think he could, yeah. Yeah, I could think he'd easily be top 35. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the Giants do. So I saw, I laughed at one of the mock drafts that had Isaiah Simmons going to them because it's the Giants. They don't draft linebackers. Stop. Although he's this kind of hybrid linebacker. Here's the best quote. For people out there that care about the draft, the best tweet, I don't remember if you see it, you know, give that person credit. The best one I saw was, you take Isaiah Simmons because you find out either one thing, you either get a generational talent or you find out that your defensive coordinator needs to be fired. Like That's the best thing I've ever seen. (laughs) That's how much of a beast that guy is. It all comes down to this, Super Bowl 54. Who's going to be hosting the trophy and spraying champagne when it's all said and done? Not the 49ers. Their season will end on a winning note. Yours can too. This is your last chance to play fantasy football until next season with DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner in the NFL. Draft your single game showdown lineup and feel the sweat like never before. It's simple. Just draft six players from Super Bowl 54. Stay under the salary cap and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Plus, new users who sign up today on DraftKings use code RUN will receive a free shot at the $1 million top prize. Nothing adds to the sweat of watching the game quite like having a free shot at a million-dollar payday. Get in on the Super Bowl 54 action. Download the DraftKings app now and enter code RUN during sign-up. For a limited time, all new users will get a free shot at $1 million with your first deposit. That's code RUN and get a free shot at $1 million with your first deposit. Only on DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. 
We're going to jump back into what we were doing on Wednesday. Wednesday, we're taking a little look ahead at next year and some tough situations. And there's, uh, look, I've been trying to do the fancy baseball. By the way, fancy baseball draft kit is coming very soon, February 2nd, I believe. I don't know. Look for it the first week of February for everybody that wants it. So I've been neck deep in that. And then, of course, doing the offseason fantasy football. So I forget, guys. Did we talk about Mark Ingram? Did we bring him up last week? We didn't, no. Okay. So let's kick it off. Let's talk about Mark Ingram. There you go. Boom. What are we looking at for next year? Because this is, again, I brought up a lot of guys that their situations aren't really changing too much. Mark Ingram's situation shouldn't really change too much. Finished top 10. Top 10, everybody, at running back. Here's the issue. For everything we always complain about consistency, 20-point game, 30-point game, 20, 20, 20. He's also got six. I was almost about to say five. It was actually six. Six single-digit games. So, Brad, like Mark Ingram, what do you do with him next year? Because I kind of feel like... He's going to go where he should go because nobody ever wants to draft Mark Ingram or give him respect. Yeah, I. so if it's me and I have him, if I have him in a dynasty league, I'm trying to trade him right now. I think he's got good value right now for people who, number one, don't look at necessarily the game-by-game production. They just look at the final stats and they're like, oh, the, you know, he's this guy's in one of the, you know, the best rushing offense in football. He's He catches the ball out of the backfield a little bit and, and he's still – you know, obviously still got some juice in his legs. And uh, my thought on it is he's, you know, another year older, he's going to be 31 or, or I guess he's 30 and he'll turn 31 during the season next year. And I don't want any piece of him, uh, not at the the price. I mean, it, if something happens where he's fallen to the sixth, seventh round, then maybe I'll take a shot there, but I don't want to have Four to pay five, the third, fourth round price that, that it's going to cost to get him. What if he's near the end of the fourth, like fourth, fifth? Uh, that's a possibility. Depending, <laughs> you know, obviously depending on team structure at that point. But the value, I'm I'm okay, at, you know, right at the four or five turn, um, because I, you know, there's not a lot of guys right there that you feel like can hit hit a thousand yards and double digit touchdowns. And you know, he had twelve hundred and fifty, twelve hundred sixty some yards, uh, and fifteen touchdowns last year. So it's there's very it's very possible that you're even if he falls off a little bit, you're still going to get some production there. Yeah, I love Ingram. He's a stud. He just he doesn't get any respect. And I actually do agree with Brad. I think if you own him in a dynasty league, now is the time to to flip him if you can. I mean, he's got three one thousand yard seasons in his last four. He's got thirty four total touchdowns in the last three years. He really has been a beast, and he's been disrespected in the fantasy community. You're right, Jake. Nobody really wants him. And I'm thinking he probably won't go in the first three, four rounds next year because nobody will want him. And they'll just make an excuse for Mark Ingram. They'll say, no, Gus Edwards is there. Oh, a step forward for Justice Hill. He'll be more involved next year. And you know what? He may be more involved next year. That's very possible. He can use all three of these backs. But, you know, for the most part, Ingram is just consistent. He, he doesn't blow you away with those big, you know, 20, 25-touch games. But, you know, he's he's a factor in the passing game a little bit. I mean, 26 catches is, is not what he really did in, with the Saints, but he's still a factor. And for the most part, he was the goal line back when Lamar Jackson wasn't calling his own number. So he's still involved, and I think he's fine. If you're the type of person who likes to draft wide receivers early, I mean, he's the type of person that you could leave your first five rounds and have him as your RB2. I think that's fine. I'd like him a whole lot better if he's your flex. But, yeah, I'm st- I still probably will be on Ingram because of the disrespect factor next year. I can see the disrespect factor and, and the value there. The only concern that I have after looking at this is, you know, the goal line back and not kind of like taking shots at you, Chris. But so through the first three games, five rushing touchdowns, you want to guess how many he had the rest of the season? Probably like one. Five. five. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
So, yeah, and that was the concern. It's like, is the Gus Edwards, although I think Gus Edwards is a restricted free agent. I don't remember off the top. I know yeah, he's he something. is. I think uh, he is, yeah. Yep. So there you go. So, like, you know, obviously there's that concern and Lamar Jackson calling his own number similar to Josh Allen. The other thing, too, is nine games, nine, where he didn't top 60 rushing yards. So if he doesn't score, if he doesn't get in the passing game, which he did have four, to, to make up for it, he did have four over the last six games, receiving-wise, touchdowns. So there's that there. And, and I just bring that up for the counter-arguments that people are going to have out there already. But, uh, but I mean, his, he's still top ten in red zone rushing attempts. Like, all of his touchdowns right. came inside the red zone. I, I, I right. understand they came early, but he's still a factor there. Of course. Uh, just I'm poking the holes that people are going to poke in him already, because, of the, and I'm bringing that up for the disrespect. And I think that's why you'll probably be able to get him in the fourth or fifth round, especially with the rookie running backs that are coming out this year, even without Etienne uh, going back to college now. Uh, that's, <laughs> that early mock draft we did, Brad, that kind of screwed up my pick. You screwed up my picks <laughs> is going with the rookie running backs back-to-back. But anyway, that's for another day. So here's another At least mine one. came now, out, though. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. I, I, was, I was going for so, one Well, them, Chuba Hubbard didn't. I got Chuba Hubbard in the eighth round, and he didn't come out. So, yeah, well, Jake oh, wasted I, a third round pick on Antonio Brown. Uh, I did. Oh yeah, I did that too. That that was fun. We'll, we'll talk about that. I got I got to already update my way too early rankings because now he's not <laughs> even ranked at this. Remember when I was like, oh yeah, he's gonna play? Nah, yes. that was before all this police stuff. That was a long time ago, seemingly. All right, here's another running back situation. Somebody who, who I think a lot of us talked about uh, this show. I mean, and also in the industry. Talked about at the beginning of the season, uh, after Andrew Luck retired, the fact that would it be so much a hit on Marlick Mack because he doesn't get involved in the passing game anyway. And that's exactly what we saw this year. They said they wanted to. 17 targets, 14 receptions. He did not. And that was in 14 games. That was more games than he played last year where he played 12 and had 26 targets and 17 receptions. So all that being said, the rushing was still pretty dang good at most games, most times. A lot of games with four, four and a half, five yards of carry, finds in the end zone. But that kind of work, he's basically, I would call Chris at this point, a poor man's Derrick Henry, which I got to say, between him and Mark Ingram, I think that's a tough call. Yeah, I think it's a tough call too. Um, you're right. I mean, no catches. Like, where are the catches out of the backfield from this guy? And, you know, it's kind of surprising. At least I, I thought that he would get a little bit more work. I mean, 17 grabs in 12 games in 2018, then he only has one catch per game last season, 14 over 14 games. But I still think overall there's a nice floor there, a nice safety. 4.4 yards per attempt is pretty solid, almost 80 rushing yards per game. He missed two. You know, if he plays those two, you figure he flirts with about 1,300 yards on the ground this season, which is pretty remarkable, really. Uh, that would have been top five. So it's a good offensive line. I don't like the quarterback. I think they need to make a change. They need to figure out something to, to make this offense roll a little bit better. But I think Mar- uh, Marlon Mack is, is another safe pick. I, I guess if I had to choose between the two, I'd probably lean Ingram. But, I mean, he, he's going to go right beside Ingram, and I think you're fine with either two. Yeah, I, I, I'm not a huge Mack guy, and I honestly think they're going to bring somebody else in um, this year. He... He was, he had two games, um, the, the first week where he went 174 yards and a touchdown. Then he had 132 yards against the Chiefs. And I know he broke 100 against the Jaguars. Um, and he was close a couple other times, but he also had games where he had 39 yards rushing, 19 yards rushing, 38 yards rushing. And when he's not catching the ball out of the backfield, like that's, I don't want anything to do with the guy where that's his floor where it's, you know, week 15 against the Saints in a PPR, he scored 1.9 points. Like I, and he was healthy. You know, it wasn't like, oh, they were managing his, his snaps or anything. So I just, I don't know. I, 
I think, again, if he's going to be a fourth-round cost like he was last year, I, I will definitely take somebody else there. I, I would I would probably definitely take Mark Ingram over him. Um, but I'm, I I don't know who else is going to be in that range. But I, there are other guys. I would take Philip Lindsay over, over Marlon Mack at this point. And that's just because I feel like there's way more upside with Lindsay. And, and I think Mack is going to be, um, I, I, like I said, I think they're going to bring somebody else in and it's going to be a little bit more of a timeshare there. All right. Well, then would you take Devin Singletary going to his second season? Assuming, I mean, forget the Frank Gore, whether he's there or not, Frank Gore became irrelevant at the end of the year. And if you look at the game log for Devin Singletary from week 11 through the end of the season, Right around 20 touches per game. He actually also had 20 carries in week nine against Washington. And then week uh, 10 against Cleveland was kind of a down week as a whole for the entire offense. So they lost in 16 to 19. Uh, but Devin Singletary going into next year, Brad, I'll give, I'll throw it this way. And this is a lot of stuff you and I are going to be talking about is dynasty and rookies and stuff like that. Devin Singletary or any of the rookies. And obviously the landing spot is going to matter, but do you, I, I throw it out there because of this. Do you think Devin Singletary should essentially be in front of all of the rookies and that he's going to end up behind some of them because of the hype, whereas he proved it in the second half of the season? He's been in the NFL. He's going to have the backfield essentially to his own. Shouldn't Devin Singletary be getting more love for 2020? Um, in my opinion, no. And the reason is because they – Josh Allen calls his number inside – calls his own number inside the, the red zone, inside the five-yard line all the time. And I think that really limits Singletary's upside. I would much rather have DeAndre Swift. I'd much rather have Jonathan Taylor. I would much rather have, I'd probably even rather have uh, go, you know, obviously JK Dobbins, I'd put in that same uh, category. I'd probably even rather have Zach Moss than him too. And again, depending on landing spot with those guys, but those are guys that I, I, I think are way more talented athletically than him. They're probably going to need to be taken high enough to, for a team to draft them where they're going to get a shot in their rookie year. And if that happens, then I, I, I'm not a big Singletary guy. I like the fact that he's probably going to have a lot of that backfield to himself. Um, but I, I just, I think there's some limited upside there. They're going to, they're, like I said, Josh Allen inside the five, it just felt like if Singletary was going to score, it was going to have to be where he's getting the ball at like the 15 to 20 and busting a run because once they got inside, it was, it was Allen keeping the ball himself. And, and that's what makes Allen such a great fantasy quarterback. And I think it really, really hurts Singletary from, you know, from an upside standpoint. Hey, Chris, you have to, you have to guess this one. I'm not giving you an option to. From week 11 through the end, including the wild card game, do you know, do you want to guess off the top of your t- head how many touches he averaged, Devin Singletary? Um, 18. 19, 19.4. Do you want to guess how many, or do you want to try and remember how many touchdowns he had from week 10 through the wild card game? Oh, geez. Um, three. Zero. One receiving. One receiving. Yeah, to well, Brad's point. And that's, that's three why I rushing, Yeah, he only had three rushing touchdowns or two rushing touchdowns. Two. Yep. And one came, I think, week one or week two. Week two um, against the Giants. <laughs> yeah, against the Giants. No, I mean, Brad, he's dead on. I mean, we've said this before. Frank Gore, 25 red zone rushing attempts, leads the Bills, did absolutely nothing with them. And then Josh Allen, 21 red zone rushing attempts, seconding nine touchdowns from him inside the, the red zone. And Singletary, only 18. So that's that's probably going to continue. I still like Singletary. I think he's fine. I think he's a good back. I think he, he definitely catches balls out of the backfield. He was he looked really good down the stretch. Like, he had some pretty solid games. 
I look at the game log now, like against Baltimore, 17 for 89, Pittsburgh, 21 for 87. Those were tough run defenses. The Broncos, he had 21 for 106, not so tough, but he still had a solid, solid outing. And the week before that, he had 5.0 yards per carry as well. So he was, he was a really good back. And Frank Gore, like you said, he's probably, I mean, we could say that. Who knows? Maybe he is around. <laughs> well, it's he, possible. He, he, they used he him in the playoffs anyway. in that game. I could, but they were like, he was at least on the field way more than he should have been against the Texans in that okay. playoff game, despite Singletary getting 21 touches, or 20 touches on 21 attempts. But yeah, I mean, that's the deciding factor. It, it, and so when you talk about Swift and Taylor, depending on the landing spots, they'll probably be a little bit more appealing than a guy in Singletary who may only get 20 touches inside the red zone. All right, so let me throw out one more counter argument for you guys on the positive side. Like I'm going to now play devil's advocate, the good I get angels advocate. It's for Devin Singletary. Uh, would you say that, like, given that workload, 19 touches a game, you think he could rush the ball 250 times and catch the ball 60, 70 times next year? Oh, Seems not reasonable. 60 or 70 catches. I don't think that's that's. You don't think I so? Think that's too high of a ceiling. No, I'm I'm not saying it's not possible. Um, I think he's got a, a good good enough hands to do it. I just don't think that's their offense. Like, I mean, he was he was the primary back for more than half the year this year, and he had 29 catches. So it's it's not. I don't know. I, yeah, but I that mean, wasn't that wasn't the. I would say it'd be more stretch. like I mean, a 45 he, catch, you know, type ceiling because they he's not going to be. He the had only 30 guy in seven there. games. They're, I know. Yeah. Look, I don't yeah, feel yeah, like we, his we coming can, out party came until week nine. Like, yeah, we really. can't. I, I know what you're saying, Brad. We can't jump into that yet. Like the only guy, like obviously, if they draft somebody, this throws a lot of this out the window, and that's why we're doing this today. I tell you what, I mean, if they don't, and he touch, and he gets, I don't know. Well, what he here's said, the reason why. Okay. If he gets 300 touches, I'm gonna like him in the fourth. And so that's I, I brought it up for that purpose mainly. I just wanted to get to the point of like the 300 touches and bring the the fact that at 325, actually 340 touches was Leonard Fournette as the number nine running back with three rushing touchdowns. So if he has 300. He could probably check in as a high end RB two, and I think that's still appeal appealing. But to your point, Brad, to agree with both sides here is obviously if DeAndre Swift ends up somewhere where he's the bell cow, you're going to take that every single time. But what if Swift or what if Dobbins or what if what if they get like the Kareem Hunt treatment coming out of college and get drafted somewhere where there's a guy in front of him already, and you kind of have to wait. My, here's a perfect example. If I gave you this, if I gave you DeAndre Swift as Miles Sanders, Brad. Or Devin Singletary, wouldn't you take Devin Singletary instead of just trying to wait for the second half? Uh, I would. I would be inclined to take take the upside of uh, of the Miles Sanders side of things. And the biggest reason, I mean, look at what Miles Sanders did this year, and he finished. I mean, he was a top twelve running back or top thirteen running back as a you know basically only playing half the season. There's way more explosiveness there. The t- the touchdown upside is way heavier. Um, I. I want the guy with the massive upside and Singletary's athleticism limits him a little bit from that standpoint. I told, I, I mentioned earlier, he needs breakaway runs of, of 15, 20 yards to score because of the way they do this offense with Josh Allen. He doesn't have that kind of athleticism to do that. He's not a fast, fast running back. He's, you know, below average when it comes to 40 times. So, um, I give me the guy who's, who's way more explosive, um, who's, Got a chance to overtake a guy midseason, but also is going to be used somewhat in the short term because I, I probably, if, if he, if that happens, say, and I don't know, I'm trying to think of a good example, but you know, say he goes to a, um, Oh, I don't know. Like, say 49ers. he goes to the 49ers. Say they let Tevin Coleman go. He goes to the 49ers and Raheem Mostert's there and, and you're like, Oh, we're, you know, that's probably the, they're starting running back to start the year. And 
I, I I would buy into the fact that at some point DeAndre Swift takes over that backfield and no, probably here, sooner here, than that's later. Not, that's not a good one because I'm not playing that damn Shanahan game anyway. Here's a legitimate one. I'll give you a legitimate <laughs> No, I'll give you – I think this is a really good one. I think this is a good one. I want your opinion too, Chris, obviously. Here's a good one. They don't re-sign Gus Edwards and the Ravens draft him. So now it's Mark Ingram at 31 years old and DeAndre Swift behind Mark Ingram. Yeah, I uh... – I would, I would probably, here's, here's, I would probably here's why take I say this, that point, but just because. Well, and here's why I say this is as of today, and look, we're going to have May to talk about what happened in the draft, but as of today, like Swift, Dobbit, like this, we've talked about four already on the show. There's probably another two or three that you could put in the conversation for the right landing. They're not all going to land on a team where they're the bell cow. Right, right. There's, I mean, yeah, there's not, there's not enough open spots. That's for sure. And, right. um, especially with all the free agents that are out there too, there's, there's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how teams, you know, that whether they decide to be go in after situation. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, um, I, I don't know. I, I just am not a huge believer in Singletary. I, I'm not saying okay, he doesn't have fair. a role, but there's just no, not excitement fair. there. I think I like Singletary a little bit more than Brad, but I mean, to answer your earlier question, I think Sanders, I would take the upside Sanders too. Both of these teams are probably going to draft backs. I mean, the Eagles are going to draft one. Of course, they want three or four on their roster. They're going to lose Jordan Howard, and I'm sure Buffalo's going to want to draft one too. And it'll be, it'll be very telling where they draft one. If they draft a high profile back early, it'll be very telling in how they feel of Devin Singletary and if they are, are actually going to give him 300 touches. Cause Jake, when you start talking about 300 touches, I like him. Even if he's, even if he's not going to be the lead zone, lead red zone rusher on his team, I still, I still am going to like him touching the ball roughly 20 times. And the fact that he has had games where he's caught five, six passes. I, I like that. I understand all the breakaway speed. It, it makes a lot of sense. I think what the Bills want to do is draft some offensive pieces to this team and get them a little bit, make them a little bit more explosive because their defense is, is, it's absolutely legit. We've been saying it now for two years. So just get a couple offensive pieces. It probably means a back. All right. Let's jump into wide receivers. We got a few of them. We'll wrap up the rest of them on Wednesday and do a little Super Bowl preview for you guys. But let's talk about the biggest one off the top. Let's talk about the one where people are arguing he could be the number one fantasy football wide receiver. In all the world this year, it's put up records, and it was the Cleveland Browns hype. It was the Baker Mayfield. It was Odell Beckham being there. It was nonstop love for this team. Odell Beckham, not just not the number one wide receiver. That was a lot of knots. Not only was he not on top ten number one wide receiver in fantasy, he was outplayed by Jarvis Landry. Barely even registered, what was he, like wide receiver thir- no, 25. I thought he was going to 31. 25 in half-white PPR. Of course, it's going to vary a little bit for you guys. But not even wide receiver two behind Devontae Adams, who played 12 games. Chris, Odell, Beckham, 2020. And this is a good one, like I said, because what's really changing with this team besides the coaching? I mean, it's the coaching is going to change and, you know, obviously Kareem Hunt, but Baker Mayfield's back. Odell Beckham had a surgery and everything should be fine. Jarvis Landry doesn't need surgery, should be fine. We just saw him a dodgeball. David Njoku, hopefully healthy. I mean, this team should essentially be the same. So is there room and optimism for you to see him as a potential top 10 wide receiver next year and bounce back of the year? Uh, yeah, I think that they may run the ball a little bit more. Stefanski, I don't know, but I, I think top 10 he could be. It, it is a bit of a concern. Um, but you know what? Like, I wouldn't be shocked if Landry had a better season than him again. And you know, everybody knows, listening, you guys know this, Landry is not going to go ahead of Odell Beckham Jr. in drafts next year. It just, it's no. not going to happen. There's going to be somebody <laughs> in your draft that says, forget last year, I'm drafting Odell as high as, 
as wide receiver five, six, seven into that range. And for me, it's, it's just going to be too high. It really is like the targets were there. He still got some volume. He still reached a thousand yards. He, he came on strong towards the end of the season in some cake matchups, really. I mean, down this, that's what we're all waiting for, those matchups against Miami and Cincinnati and Arizona where he kind of showed up towards the end of the season. But I think I'm going to be out on Beckham. I really am. I, I have him in a couple of dynasty leagues and that's enough for me because <laughs> I can't even sell him <laughs> because I just know that I'm not going to get proper return for him, proper value. And I'm not just going to give him away just for the sake of giving him away. I still think that there's upside. I still think he's terrific talent. Maybe he did. Maybe he really truly was playing through an injury. We, we heard reports from before week one. So maybe potentially like if he gets some sort of rehab going this off season where he's feeling pretty good, maybe I'll feel better about him, but I just think he'll go too early for me to want to draft him. But I think he can finish as a top 10, Jake. I do. <laughs> but I'm just not going to pay the price to figure it out. I'm not, gonna, I'm not willing to pay the price. bets right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to say there is uh, as close to 0% chance of him being a top 10 receiver in football as there is. And wow. So I, that's not straddling the fence. That's, that's no, I, I'm not straddling the fence. And, and consequently, I won't own him anywhere because I know where I'm going to have to draft him. It, it's going to be like second round or third round still, and I want no piece of that. When I can get Jarvis Landry in the fifth or sixth, I would much rather have that. And there's just a way more stable you know, pr- production production premium coming out of it, Landry. And it's 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 possible that Odell Beckham outscores Jarvis Landry, I will say that. But I, I don't want the – it's going to be big game – uh, you know, disappear, big game disappear. That's just who, who he is with Baker Mayfield as his quarterback. And even if, you know, I know he was banged up a little bit, but he's also not getting younger. He's 28 years old. We're looking at basically he's close to the wide receiver AJ Pex where they start to kind of trickle off a little bit. And when you're talking about a guy who has dealt with injuries multiple years, it's not like this is the first injury he's ever had. At some point that starts wearing on you a little bit and you start to slow down. And I, I think we're going to see that. And then throw in the offensive coordinator hire um, that, you know, the Stefanski that comes in and just runs the ball like crazy in Minnesota, even though he's got two elite receivers there and and probably a better quarterback than what Baker Mayfield is. And that that was still the direction they went. And Nick Chubb is just as talented as Dalvin Cook. So I think there's a really good chance that that you see the the he's he's basically Stefan Diggs in that offense where he's gonna have a couple blow up games, enormous mm. games, and then he's gonna vanish in in seventy five percent of the games. I said mm because I kinda like that call there. By the way, bring it back to Eli Manning. In the sixteen games of the two seasons he played with the Giants because it was four and twelve to your point, Brad, about the injuries. So in those sixteen games, he had more receptions, more yards, more touchdowns, more points per game by almost five playing with Eli Manning for the last two seasons of banged up in the Giants than has banged up 16 games with the Browns, to, to your point. So I'm just yeah, – yeah. There there were some up and down games with Baker, but I don't think it's fair to say that that's going to be how it goes. Like I think there's – I mean, Baker could grow. Um, they can build a chemistry, a connection there between the two. But Here's where – Here's where I come is, to your side. The hiring okay. sucks. So you want to talk about straddling the line here? Is it like, like like I could see both outcomes. I could see the positive side of where you're coming from. I could see the negative of where Brad's coming from. I have a feeling that he's going to be priced too high for all of us, even because it sounds like you're not even willing to go where he's probably. Because as you said, Chris, people are going to talk themselves into him. He's probably going to end up going in the second round for some people because everybody's going to put the positive spin. There's going to be articles of like what this offense could do and the signs of Baker Mayfield and the prop. I come back to what the first thing you said about it. Chris Stefanski. That's my concern. It's like, my concern is that 
let's go back to it. Like, even if he would have been productive, that being Odell Beckham, he had fewer targets this one season with the Browns than he did in the 16 games with the Giants because he was the alpha dog by far with the Giants, where now he has Landry and an amazing running back in the backfield. So I just, I don't know that even with Stefanski that he's going to get the targets needed to be a top 10. So that's my concern there. And that's where I can kind of see like all the arguments behind it. But I have a feeling none of us are going to, I don't know. So here you go, Chris, let's bring back, we'll probably finish off with this one uh, because I want to say a few minutes at the end of the show. Um, your boy, Juju Smith-Schuster. I say your boy, tongue-in-cheek. For everybody out there that's been with us, that has known, that saw the football draft kit, Chris put Juju Smith-Schuster as his bust wide receiver, and he wasn't even saying, look, he's going to be terrible this year. It was just the fact that at the time, before Ben Roethlisberger got hurt, and you didn't see that coming, but your point was valid. You said, I don't know if he can handle being a number one. We've talked about that many times on this show, from waiver wires to receivers in general, about being the number one and getting the defensive attention, and that was your concern, Chris. But... Ben Roethlisberger is coming back next year. Juju Smith-Schuster battled through a lot this year. The Steelers, as of today, still don't have anything more than, and I say anything more, but James Washington, Deontay Johnson fighting to be the number two again next year. Juju Smith-Schuster, better, same, or less of a rebound chance than Odell Beckham for you? I mean, he's he's got to be better. I think that, you know, 42 catches, 552 yards, I mean, he has to be able to top that. There was a, Obviously, he missed some time. I'll probably be in on Juju next year because of where, because he'll go a little bit later. My problem was, like, I was just seeing him go ahead of Julio Jones and there was just, the hype was just too much. I just didn't understand why he should go ahead of a, a, a proven wide receiver in Julio Jones. Yeah, I was concerned with the top coverage. I still probably will be. If they don't bring anybody else in, I will be. But if Big Ben is going to be hanging around there. But I, I honestly have concerns with Big Ben, too. I don't think that that's a lock that we can sit here and say, oh, Big Ben is going to just come back. He's going to be healthy. Like, this guy's old. He sat on the sidelines for a long time last year and just sat there and watched. And he's not – He's he was never really in shape. He's battled through so many injuries over the past couple of years playing hurt. I think that there's a lot of concerns for this Pittsburgh offense going forward. Like, Mason Rudolph was clearly not the answer. At least they know now that he's he's not a capable quarterback when they drafted that guy to, to be the future quarterback for them. So I don't know, man. Like, I, I think I'm out on Juju, too, because I think he's going to go exactly right around the same point that Odell Beckham Jr. is going to go in drafts. It's like top 10. It's just too high for me. Ooh, I, see, and I don't think he'll be. I don't think he'll be drafted that high. I don't think that's where his ADP will fall in. And because of that, I, yeah, I, I'm going to have a lot of juju because I there's a massive upside there. We've seen the potential if Big Ben comes back and is healthy, and if one of these other guys. I, I really like Deontay Johnson. I like him better than James Washington, and I think James Washington can have a role in the offense for sure. But I, I like him as a possession guy. I like. I like. Uh, I'm thinking about like the the Packers offense here of, of like I think Juju could take over the Devontae Adams kind of that that 15 to 20 yard role and have Deontay Johnson um, underneath and James Washington be the over the top guy. I think there could be a lot of potential there. They, I mean, Vance McDonald's not taking targets away from anybody right now. Their their running back situation is a little fluid, but they seemed to to not want to put Jalen Samuels in that in that role whenever Connor broke down a little bit. So. It, they're probably going to bring somebody in. I think Eno Benjamin might be a great fit there just because he's kind of a pass-catching, smaller pass-catching back. They bring him in, put him with James Conner, and, and take a take a little bit of the heat. I know that's not typically his style. Usually he's a one-back one, one back guy, but 
take take a little heat off of Connor and a lot of the hits off of him. I think there's a chance there that this offense bounces back. And I'm I'm going to buy into modern medicine and say that Big Ben is back to where he was two years ago. Um, and, and I I realize that's not. A, a you know any absolutely elite quarterback, but from a fantasy standpoint, it's producing a whole lot of weapons around him. You guys know where Juju went that athletic mock? In the second round, wide receiver eight. Yeah, in the second round, no chance. See? No chance. No, I wouldn't take him that high, but I don't think that's where where his he's going to go there, Brad. He's going to go there, man. People love this guy, Juju. They they it's love gonna, him. He, I'm I'm with Chris and the fact that him and Odell Beckham are going to go together. Look look at the guys who went after. Well. Look at the guys who went after him, though. Cooper, I mean, D- Galladay, Robinson, Cooper Cup, like these D- – DJ, DJ Moore, Moore Cortland Sutton. Sutton. All those guys well, no, are no, going to ahead of Juju, I think. No, they're not. No, I agree they should. Yeah, they should be, but they're not going to. Yeah, so it's – you got to watch. It's, you got to remember the, the hype factor here. Here's the point. Like, even on the negative side of things, Brad, this is something that – I forget what podcast – was, oh, I was doing with um, – we were talking about Kyler Murray on the NFL one with Marcus Grant. He was saying – in a dynasty, would you consider Kyler Murray or Patrick Mahomes? And, of course, everybody's like, oh, you're such a moron. You're so stupid and blah, blah, blah. And his point was the one that I'm about to make, and I'm taking Marcus Grant's point, that if we're talking about these guys already, this being January, you have to understand that because we're talking about these guys, we're talking about it for a reason. We're talking about it because these are who people are already talking about, and that's the hype flow of the group think and the movement that we're going to get between now and August, and that's just what's going to happen. And while I 100% agree with you, Brad, Juju Smith-Schuster, just like with Chris and Odell Beckham, they should not go there. Somebody, two, three people are going to go and take them there because it's going to continue to snowball and continue to get there. But so, yeah, I I, I agree uh, with I, you, but I also th- I th- I definitely still think he's going to end up in the second round. I would definitely be all about him in the third or fourth, and that's kind of where I was going at first. Is like, okay, maybe I'll be in on him this year because p- potentially there'll be a discount. But if Ben is healthy and he's looking fine, to your point, Brad, and he's a good fantasy quarterback, I mean, I just think the hype will be there. I think you should, if people are in Dynasty Leagues, I really do think you should check in on the Juju Smith-Schuster um, owner. I think there's potentially a buy low window there. That's that's also true. I, I At least you're doing your due diligence if you do. I mean, you should be doing that. You should be doing that with a lot. I mean, look, you might be get Odell Beckham on the Chief. They might think he's headed down the Antonio Brown path. That's You just you always put out feelers, right, Brad? I mean, they, if you're not putting out trade offers right now in January, you're doing yourself a disservice. Brad sends seven a day. Yeah. Uh, I <laughs> I do send out a lot of trade offers. Um, I, I, sent out, <laughs> I was even sending out offers yesterday morning in one league um, trying, trying to – Move a deal is a little bit of a complicated league with contracts for each player, but, but trying to free up some salary cap room. So yeah, it makes, I mean, it, it makes sense. This is the time. The problem is a lot of owners, it, I would say it, it's very rare that you have a league where all 12 owners are really active all year long and you're going to get a whole lot of owners who aren't even checking the league. And so they won't even see the trade proposal that you sent. And it's, it, it becomes this kind of like, uh, it's hard to engage them at that point if they're, if they're not really into it. So you gotta find the right owner who is, who is staying up with everything and, and maybe still has, um, you know, maybe he had Juju all year and he soured on him after this year and he's like, you know what? Yeah, I'll, give me, give me a, a solid wide receiver three and I wanna take the sure thing as opposed to the guy who has at least a potential to be a zero if his quarterback gets hurt again. Jake, with all these top wide receivers would you take a first round pick for juju for juju rookie, absolutely and, and only rookie draft 
Because that would. could be the asking price, right? Like, if you, you could probably get a first for him. You probably I think you can get more than that. Just, yeah, I was yeah. going to say. I, I, you, you might be able to get a one and two or one and three, and if you can do that, I, I would consider it, depending on where the first is. I wouldn't want, like, one, 111, seven. 112. Yeah, but, like, oh, one seven for sure. For sure. Yeah. So, but uh, now, uh, Chris, you gave me homework. Now I just want to go watch Liar Liar again, by the way, because you put that in my head. <laughs> He's old. He's old. My he should have been out of game years ago. Can't stay home because he hates his wife. There's a Jim Carrey movie on TV the other day. It was uh, what is it? Jack and Diane or Jack? That's a bad one. So you know you the one speak, I'm talking about? Th- thank they you for lo- just dragging this. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about Liar Liar. All right, let's talk about one of the worst movies ever. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that there's an Adam Sandler movie where he's like, and it's not Big Daddy where he's talking about the old balls, but it's it's it's. <laughs> It's a, I think, I think it might have been Happy Gilmore where he's like, look at him. He's old. He's just, he's old. He's too old. Oh, it's his grandma. He's talking about his grandma. He's saying, she's old. Look at her. She's old. Yeah, she's just yeah. too old or whatever. And, and yeah, that's, that's where I thought you were going with it. Oh, no. Yeah. That's, uh, that's exactly where I was going with it. But, uh, <laughs> real quick, <laughs> before we get out of here today, a good thing to have a laugh before this. And look, hey. It's a fancy football show. It is football year-round now. We made that switch last year, but sometimes there are some things that are bigger than football. They're bigger than fantasy, and I just wanted to give both of you guys your chance to say anything. Uh, it doesn't even have to be much or whatever, but uh, for everybody out there, that I think everybody knows who follows sports at this point, but Kobe Bryant and the helicopter crash yesterday and the worst part about it, probably not you understand don't don't come after me for what i just said but you know the daughter being involved in all that type of stuff and you've seen the videos and you've seen the tributes and everything is great and i just want to give a moment to kobe bryant because look at the time this is somebody that i grew up a bulls fan and i, I hated him as a player because i hated him because he was amazing and i hate him as like I, I hate kobe bryant it's just i hated seeing him doing so well and i played basketball up through high school and college and i did the stupid kobe shot like everybody else and you everybody anybody who's played a pickup game of basketball has yelled kobe at some point because you did the shot you did the one step shot back and it's a you know it's a sad sad situation and i hope that everybody out there takes this moment to realize, hey, look, at 41, it could be 11, it could be 21, it could be 30, whatever it is. Like, cherish your time with the people that you love. And, hey, as I always try to practice, is don't end a conversation with anybody close in your life in an in a angry moment because you just never know if, if that's it. Yeah, well said. Um, I'm still pretty sh- shook about this, honestly. Um, you know, I just – I couldn't believe it. I was I was on Twitter when I saw it break right away, and I just I just refused to believe it. I thought it was a joke. I was just like, you know, not a, not a joke, but I just you know I just didn't think it was real that it was that Kobe had actually like that he actually passed away. And then you know you hear his daughter Gigi Gianna was with him as well, and and how close they were, and you know all the video surfacing of of him talking about her, and you know being the next you know quote unquote Kobe Bryant, living the name. Um, you know, she wanted to play university basketball and, you know, she was pretty good too. I mean, for a 13 year old, she had that patented Kobe fadeaway already and then the competitive drive that Kobe had. And I was just so admiring with, with Brian, you know, I, with you, Jake, I wasn't a Lakers fan and, 
you know, growing up as a Mavericks fan, having so many battles with, with Kobe and, and the Lakers was always like, ah, Kobe, ah, can you just have an off night once? And, you know, you just, you respect the drive that he had and the passion. And, you know, my heart goes out to his entire family and everyone that knew him, Vanessa, his wife dealing with, I can't even imagine what she's dealing with right now. And I know Brad could probably speak to this a little bit better. Um, you know, having a wife and kids, it's, you know, when you, when you start to talk about Gigi and her being on that plane and, you know, losing her, it's, it, it really does hit you hard. So I think you said it perfectly. Um, hug your loved ones. Be kind to one another. You just, you really don't know. 41 years old, you really don't know. I, I hope the NBA completely just retires this number. I know Cuban said nobody in Dallas will ever wear a 24. I hope the NBA follows suit. And I'm sure, obviously, when he gets inducted into the Hall of Fame, they'll, they'll have something special for him. But yeah, it's, it's, it's very sad. And I, I just hope his entire family, I just, my thoughts and prayers are with him. Yeah. It's, you know, this is a guy that, <clears throat> you know, after his, um, the, the thing that happened to Denver with the other girl, um, I, I had, had like this strong distaste for him. And then I saw him do, just go overboard with trying to repair his image, not just within his family, but try to become just a better man in, in the public eye. And, and I, I can accept the fact that people make mistakes. I've made plenty myself. And when you see a guy who is, is that driven to, to make everybody around him, better and and give them an opportunity that they may not have had otherwise um it, it's hard not to have a, a level of admiration for it and um it's really sad it was just it was mind-blowing when i saw the the headline come across yesterday because it, it was just like i mean just literally the night before lebron had passed him in points and he's tweeting out a congratulations to lebron and talk about him further in the game and and you just you just think like oh this had you know almost had to everybody thought this had to be a misprint. Maybe their site got hacked or whatever. And whenever, um, whenever you realize that wasn't the case, it was just shocking. And, um, it, it, I, I told, you know, whenever, um, it came out that, that Gianna was, was one of the, the deceased in the crash. Um, I called my wife and told her, and she had done some, some PR work with the Lakers when, when she lived in Vegas. And, and so I don't know that she had any personal attachment to him, but I, you know, it's just, it, it's, it's bigger than basketball. It's bigger than just the Lakers. And, but when you see that his kid died, my first thought, my wife at that time was driving down, um, to, to Springfield, Missouri is about a three hour drive with our kids in the car, uh, to meet me for the event last night. And I told her, I was like, just be really careful driving down. Like it's, you just, it just, it's just a new perspective on everything. And it shouldn't, it sucks that it takes a tragedy, um, to have that mindset because in reality you should you don't want to go through life scared and, and hesitant with everything, but you also need to to keep things in perspective and realize that at any moment it could all change. And you, I, I you know, it, it just makes me feel differently whenever I wake up this morning and hug my kids. Mm-hmm.